Hey there, it's producer Casey. I hope your long, cold, lonely winter is waning and your spring has sprung. I'm glad to report that I've wrested control of our show back from our less-than-trusty AI companion P3Z Nuts. And before we get into today's episode, I wanted to hit some quick top-of-show housekeeping. Little darling, I feel the ice is slowly melting. As always, if you dig what we do, it would be a huge help to the show if you like and subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you do, we might just share your review on the show. In fact, let's read one now. James8008 says, Five stars, best Beatles podcast. This is the best, most informative, and most accurate Beatles podcast out there today. Robert is very knowledgeable and has excellent guests and topics. It is most enjoyable. I highly recommend it to any Beatles fan. Shit. I think this is a review of something about the Beatles. An excellent podcast. Uh, you should definitely check it out maybe after you listen to our podcast. Let me try this again. Okay. Here's one from HB1840. It says, One star, waste of time. I guess it's okay if you can take five minutes of idiotic talk for every minute of Beatles info. Harsh. Not entirely untrue. That's kind of a downer. Let's see if we can end on a brighter note. Here we go. Okay, our most recent review came a couple weeks back from iRes, and it reads, Five stars, the best, A++. These guys are literally the only podcast I listen to. Comedy and music in one place. I love it. Thanks, guys. You hit all my buttons and love all the Chicago references. A++. Thank you, Irez. We appreciate the good reviews to bury the bad ones, and we are glad you enjoy the show, and we appreciate your review. If you're interested in supporting our lovely, ad-free, independently produced podcast, there's a whole bunch of ways you can help out. Check out untitledbeatlespodcast.com, where you can find links to buy Untitled Beatles merch on TeePublic. You can drop a buck in our PayPal tip jar, or if you're so inclined, you can support us through Patreon. Our Patreon supporters help sustain the show, and all subscribers get access to our exclusive Discord server, where TJ, Tony, and I hang out with fellow Beatle people. We talk music, we take suggestions, all kinds of fun stuff and shenanigans. And speaking of Patreon, I'd like to send out a special thanks, Mo, thanks, Mo. to our Star Club members, including... Long live George Harrison, Glenn K. from Iowa, Matt Kaharski, Beetle Dave, Susan from Baltimore, Bert Chide, Joanne S., David S. from Chicago, no relation as far as I know, Max Como, representing in Montreal, Matt Meyer from Spring Hill, Tennessee, Nick B. from Minnesota, Nowhere Doug Tabor, Stephen A., Mary-Kate, Skyler, Mr. D. Sticker, Michael S., and Cat V., Thank you so much. We couldn't do the show without you. And again, if you're interested in joining this group of luminaries, you can find info at untitledbeatlespodcast.com. Okay, I've said too much. Oh, no, I've said too much. That was for you, TJ. 
Thanks, everybody, for bearing with me. Let's get to the show. Red Rose Speedway, 50th anniversary, elf anniversary. Aye, 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 aye. <laughs> I was so immersed in your Roman numeral, like I totally didn't slate correctly. Oh, second sticks. Aye, aye, sticks. Three, uh, three, two, one. Untitled Beatles podcast. Second sticks is what they call the touring iteration of sticks when Dennis DeYoung says, fuck off. You like that? I've said this a million times. Larry Gowan's the very best Larry Gowan on the planet. No one's a better Larry Gowan than Larry. I'm the best Dennis DeYoung still to this day. Welcome to the Untitled Beatles Podcast. Thank you for listening. I'm Tony. And I'm TJ. TJ. I like that. I like that. It's a new year. I'm giving it a different emphasis. It's a new year. It's April. It's a new year. It's 2023 at the time. We're enjoying a very cold spring day here in in Chicago, wouldn't you say? Global warming my ass. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Those people. Snowball. See, I brought a snowball into Congress. Global warming doesn't exist. Ah, It's melting. Maybe it does. You're indoors, (laughs) guy. Uh, Yeah, it's 12 degrees in Chicago as we record this thing. And um, But here's the tricky thing is it has been a frighteningly calm in my 48 years around the sun living in Chicago. Yeah. Chicago. Um, I do not remember a winter this like we've had like weeks. There was a week in March a decade ago where it was like 75 degrees. But yeah, I don't remember a year that had this little like we didn't have that one big like like knock you in the ding dong ding dong <laughs> snowstorm. No, no, we did not. No. Uh, yeah, we, we've been very fortunate because the rest of the country, at least, is getting pretty slammed with like uh, you know, atmospheric rivers and all sorts of, yeah, coastal life seems pretty dire these days. So all, all our coastal listeners, hey, stay safe out there, all right? Yeah. We love our coastal listeners, California, everywhere, Florida, everywhere. Flew in from Miami Beach. I wanted to thank my good friend, John Barlow. John Barlow gave me, uh, we play in a band together. And uh, at practice the other day, his lady friend found a book, and it was the illustrated Beatles lyrics book from way back, like in the 70s, with all the, the kooky art for each song. And I hadn't seen that since I like checked it out from the library, probably in the late 80s. You know what I mean? And so it really brought back a lot of wonderful memories. So thank you, John Barlow. And uh, yeah, look for that on eBay. I bet you can get it rather cheap. I think, yeah, or at a yard sale. I think it was like $2 at this yard sale. And those are, is the one you looked at? Because I had, and it's somewhere, it was like in paperback. It was like, it wasn't a hardback. And it started to kind of, the, the seams started to separate because of looking at it so many times. But yeah, yeah, like I, that book was ubiquitous for a long time in like the <laughs> 70s and 80s. And I don't know if that's, is that something you can still like, do libraries have that? Can you walk into and I've, I've become a Barnes and Noble apologist. Like, sure. I, mean, I can't explain it. I'm happy that they've survived. Like, I realize they fucked local bookstores. I'm not proud of that. <laughs> right, but the way right. the way time works, when I see a Barnes and Noble close, like when Borders closed, I was sad, which is patently ridiculous. <laughs> and I understand that it is. But at any rate, like, there's a new Barnes and Noble in uh, Old Orchard Mall not far from us. And, you know, it's just wonderful to walk in and see books everywhere. 
and have they've got a decent selection of vinyl. But is that a book that like a bookstore like that would still stock that used to be everywhere? No, I'm pretty sure it's out of print. Yeah, pretty sure. Pretty sure. TJ, how sad were you when Sears Roebuck closed? I was sadder when Roebuck closed because I think that was 40 years before I was born. I think the, the Roebuck-Sears merger took place in 1740. But yeah. when Sears closed, I was I was actually quite pleased because for years, Sears had become a shithole. Hey, mister, your hardware's looking real good. You know, Tony, thank you to John. And in fact, I don't know how close you are to John, but if I were to meet him, I'd say, thank you, darling. And when I think thank you, darling, I think a track that is McCartney's greatest lost tune. Oh. Take it, Tony. Take it, Tony. <laughs> Wait, which one is it? Which the, the the tragedy song? No, the, the, the song Thank You, Darling. Oh. This, did you hear that one from the Red Rose Speedway sessions? Wait, oh, oh, wait, yes. Yeah, I, I don't have them all, like, in my brain. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that, that's kind of the vaudeville uh, duet he sings with Linda. Yes, I definitely took notes on that. Where the hell is, is it? That, Outtakes. Thank, thank, thank you, darling. Thank you, darling. Three minutes, 18 seconds. Thank yes. you, darling. Yeah. We are going to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. I like that one. We're going to talk about that later because today, TJ, we are talking about... Red Rose Speedway, 50th anniversary this year. Holy um, crap. Yeah, holy crap with asterisks where the A and the P are. <laughs> Thank That's you. That's a story. Sanitized. I was sad when the A and P closed, although I was young, young. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're talking Red Rose Speedway, yeah. which is 50 years old, which is insane. You know, it's... Uh, this album, I'm going to start with a sweeping generalization for you, Tony. I know Let's that I'm it. prone to hyperbole on occasion. On occasion. Uh, uh, occasionally in hot Beatle takes. I'm the <laughs> Skip Bayless of Beatle talk. Oh, uh, God forbid. Uh, okay, I believe that no album in Paul McCartney's career, including the sessions surrounding it, are more Paul McCartney than Red Rose Speedway. Wow. No huh. other... I'm not saying it's his best. I'm not saying right. it's his worst. This album right. and the sessions around it and the stuff that was pitched and the stuff that was rejected and then included and then it's been bootlegged and resurfaced on the 2018 archive set uh, show the whole picture of the beauty, the strangeness, the tossed-off nature, the, mm -hmm. the careful creations... It is everything. Red Rose Speedway is a definitive Paul McCartney record. And I've been listening to it every day for three weeks. This is going to be the thing that drives my wife. And like, I keep playing the second. I think that would drive me crazy a oh little bit. Oh my God. It's a lot of single pigeon around this house. I'm a lot yeah, man, like you. Yeah, you are getting, yeah. Yeah. Well, luckily you found a seagull like me, and then we can uh, commiserate out there. We'll talk about single pigeon. You, you, you can be my seaside woman, please. <laughs> Dainty little mama can't take it anymore. That is wild. I mean, I see what you mean. Yeah. Like this is kind of his 70s id. You know what I mean? I feel like it's 
it's Paul wanting to be in a band again, so he forms Wings. Like he wants to be treated like the bass player. I'm not Paul McCartney of the Beatles. I'm the bass player in Wings, you know. And then I guess when Glenn Johns, who was the producer on this at first, started treating him like the bass player, Paul wasn't so into that. <laughs> No, no, I call the shots here. (laughs) Yes, and it also served Paul a a reminder that it was going to be Paul McCartney and Wings. So he's a bass player in Wings with his name first. (laughs) And there's one person on the cover of the record, and it's the bass player in Wings. It's the bass player, (laughs) yeah. Of course, this later replicated by the police, of course. That's why synchronicity is just a big picture of Sting. At least the copy I have, the reissue. There you go. Another artist inspired by uh, Wing's second album, Red Rose Speedway. Yeah, man, we've gotten a lot of listener requests for this one. So here it is. It's uh, celebrating 50 years on the planet. It came out April 30th, 1973 in the U.S., and it reached number one, which is pretty wild, you know? So it worked, that whole Paul McCartney and Wings thing and putting his big fat face on the cover with a rose stuffed in it. And at least in the U.S., they put a sticker. I've got it right here. There's a sticker on the record itself, not even on the cellophane. Uh, or maybe like take that back. Uh, when I bought this used, somebody might have kept it from the cellophane, but mine stuck to the cover, and it actually says Paul McCartney and Wings, just to make sure that people knew that this guy with the rose, you know, hiding his mouth. If you're looking right. at this darkish cover in a record store, you'd know it's Paul McCartney. So after Wildlife tanked, uh, EMI took great pains to make sure that this next album didn't tank. It's why it's not a double album. Yeah, Wildlife, as much as we want to, it's a little like McCartney too. God bless the revisionist history, but at the time, these are records that didn't sell. Initially, Wildlife for Paul's own company, and then for you know Columbia in a panic after Back to the Egg and then McCartney, sure, they sold, but not what they were expecting. They were expecting the Billy Joel Springsteen level sales. So for this album to have been a huge fucking hit with a massive hit single followed up months later with Live and Let Die was such a resurgence for Paul McCartney at a time when the Red and the Blue albums were also around. Oh, right. So yeah. what and what a start to 1973, Tony, and how nice to commemorate right now. I know we're going to go track by track. This may be a long one, friends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Buckle in and, uh, yeah, pull your car, your engines up to the starting line and buckle up. It's going to be a long pace car follow. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not not into NASCAR. I don't know. It's it's okay. But this is a great chance to drop faster from the self-titled George Harrison record. (laughs) Yes. Cue 45 seconds of annoying sound effects, like basically opening your window in Chicago in the summer. (laughs) That's the sound of that song's intro. Uh, Red Rose Speedway received very mixed reviews upon its release, and it still receives mixed reviews to this day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny how people are. I, I was uh, reading Eight Arms to Hold You and kind of prep for this. And like those wonderful people who know so much about Paul, 
they hate side two. It's so funny. Every song is like, you're opening with single pigeon. Come on. <laughs> it's like this outrageous. It's so funny. Well, speaking of single pigeon, John Pigeon of Let It Rock magazine said at the time, listening to it takes about as much as going 10 rounds with a marshmallow fairy. <laughs> That's what I call my fluffer nutters. <laughs> Honey, I'll have a marshmallow fairy, please. Wink, wink. <laughs> oh, you need fluff, fluff, fluff. You make a fluffer nutter. Marshmallow fluff and lots of peanut butter. Now, John Pigeon, is that Lieutenant Pigeon? Or as they say in the UK, Luftenant Pigeon? <laughs> have you ever heard? So I was in uh, Oxfam, I think. I was in Nottingham at, a, at Oxfam, which is like a thrift store there that they have in the UK. And I'm going through the 45s and I see this 45 for a song called Moldy Old Doe. And it's like this kind of instrumental by a band called Lieutenant Pigeon. And I was like, this is crazy. And then I looked it up. It was a number one. When? <laughs> in the UK, in like 74. Oh. It's a UK number one. <laughs> it's a great song, but I was like, this is a number one. And I think there's like top of the pops footage of like people like dancing to it. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, are we about... To break a, a UK act on this show? Are we about, is this drop we're about to play going to make this band huge? Yeah, look for it. You're going to hear this in every uh, Stranger Things episode to come. They're going to drop this. Moldy Old Doe, Lieutenant Pigeon. Coming up, we'll talk to the Doofer Brothers, or maybe the Duffer Brothers. <laughs> Our favorite Robert Crisco. Crisco, Crisco, Crisco. I am going to Mount Kisco. Said it was, quote, quite possibly the worst album ever made by a rock and roller of the first rank. And even the band didn't like it. In 1976, Linda said Red Rose Speedway was such a non-confident record. We needed a heavier sound. It was a terribly unsure period. That to me speaks a lot to what's going on in this era. Like he wants to be a band. He clearly he misses the Beatles. So he wants to be a band again. He wasn't into the like, you know, he didn't want to do the McCartney Ram thing forever. He wanted that feeling again, playing out live. And this is when they're playing those universities like showing up and they played like a cafeteria at lunch or something somewhere, you know, just showing up unannounced and playing small halls. He wanted that Hamburg energy again, I think. Well, and when you listen to the shows that preceded this release, that UK tour, you can hear a band trying to find itself. And that's kind of the rough and raw Hamburg sound of any of the live Paul stuff that UK 72 tour is some of the most raw uh, live McCartney other than the Star Club tapes. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he's trying to fulfill that, tap back into that energy and get sweaty again or whatever, you know, which is so funny that this Red Rose Speedway came out as it did released as the single album with a lot of lightweight stuff on. It. In fact, Wikipedia categorizes the album as soft rock. Well, you know, 
noted <laughs> if you can't get Lewis in, you get Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> uh, Tony, before we get to the album, too, I, I wanted to kind of follow up on this kind of peak McCartney, for better or for worse, experience in that if you look at the other albums that came out 50 years ago, uh, I mean, here's the thing. You've got Paul McCartney, who is just coming off wildlife and Mary had a little lamb. You know, we talked about all this. And, Huge. And, and right, I mean, I, God, I love that key change so much. It's so sweet. <laughs> But, you know, Tony, The Stones had Goat's Head Soup. I know it's not considered a classic, but it's an album I love. I like that one, too, yeah. Uh, Dark Side of the Moon, Houses of the Holy, Quadrophenia. Mm. Um, yeah. Of, of course, Mind Games that year, too, I'd say not John's strongest album, an album I love, but I'm not going to put it in my top one, two, or it's not even my top three, John, solo album, is it? Probably not. Let's say that, that for a different conversation. <laughs> but my point is, like, you've got seminal rock albums from then great rock bands. And I think that's one of the reasons that Red Rose Speedway was greeted with such disdain, because as much as My Love was a massive single, all of a sudden, Paul is, I hate to credit Wikipedia, but Paul's kind of inventing soft rock with My Love. Now, the thing is, he's doing it better than anybody ever did, without question. But, you know, compare this, Tony, to, I mean... On the album cover, the the kind of salute to Stevie Wonder in Braille. It's yeah. on the on the reissue. It's on the top. On the original Apple, it's here on the bottom. I've got a Columbia pressing where they keep the booklet and they do away with the Braille. Fuck you, Columbia. I'm I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry. Back to the egg didn't sell. Now you're giving an FU to Stevie Wonder. Come on now. Um, at the same time, like he clearly loves Stevie and he loves these other artists. But Dark Side of the Moon. And Houses of the Holy, Steely Dan, Countdown to Ecstasy, maybe their most rock album before they kind of got jazzier, mm -hmm. which I, I love. But like, and then Paul's got Single Pigeon and When the Night. While I love those songs, I don't think the context of rock in 73, Tony, did Paul any favors. No, I, yes, I completely agree with you. Yeah, in the context of all those albums you mentioned, yeah, Red Rose Speedway just doesn't it doesn't make it to that level. No, I don't think it does. I think for fans, it's a great I think this is a great record. I'm I think you have to be in the mood for this record. I think you have to know what you're getting into. You're getting into a lazy life's OK. This is a happy period in his life. Uh, Saturday, you know, very much like today, perhaps if it was a little <laughs> Not 16 degrees. It wasn't 11 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we're having coffee. You know, our lives are all right. You know what I mean? For the most part. Yeah. Last night, uh, I lay around all over the place. So. <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> Don't get you pneumonia. It sounds like you jumped into a uh, Lake Michigan there. It's very cold. I got one more. I got one more th bad review. Oh this yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Tony. Is, it's, no, it's okay. This is this speaks to what you were saying earlier. I think uh, Wings tour photographer Joe Stevens recalls, "I thought Red Rose was a disaster, and so did everyone connected with it, except Paul." And I think that's what you were saying earlier. How this is like just the most Paul record. It shows it showcases his 
is wizardry with ballads, you know, and uh, with My Love, which got in the R&B charts, which is we'll talk about that. But uh, but yeah, then it's got rocks from the stuff that didn't make it on there. It's got the rock and stuff. It's it's got the kind of weird experimental stuff with loop and all that. He's almost tapping into that white album thing. Originally, it was going to be two albums. This is the whiter album or whatever, I guess. That's <laughs> what Ringo always called this Red Rose Speedway. The whiter album. Yeah, the redder rose speedway. <laughs> the red rosier speedway. Shut up. It's, it's a bloody Red Rose Speedway. Shut up. <laughs> well, where does this rank for you? you um, in your MACA ranking, where does this album rank for you TJ. oh man it's it's every time we review a paul album i'm gonna tell you it's the top three (laughs) no like there you go there you go i mean if we could play a long game of would you rather with mccartney albums i'd rather (laughs) chaos and creation than this um okay i'd certainly rather hear ram than this so the ram might be my my favorite yeah i'd rather hear this over wings of the speed of sound yeah okay that meant yeah i agree i agree with you on that yeah. Well, for me, this album ranks it's beneath McCartney Two, back to the egg and wildlife. But I put it above flowers in the dirt, speed of sound and London town. It's a mixed uh, bag, man. See, I love I mean, flowers in the dirt, man, like everybody else my age was rebelling and I was just cozying up to I know you want her too. <laughs> camp that's i'm serious like i love that oh, I, know. I love i if if i could meet paul again i would say to him paul my revolver was flowers in the dirt <laughs> just to see his face <laughs> i've just seen a face it was paul looking at me like i was fucking nuts <laughs> Yeah, this record, I think, when taken the context of all the songs surrounding it and some of the live tracks that made their way as B-sides and onto the reissues and all that, there's so much greatness. Wildlife, some of the tossed-off stuff, this first McCartney album, McCartney 2, I like my tossed-off McCartney with ornamentation and beauty. (laughs) And my... Pops, my the guy who's still angry about the only love remains forty five being a different mix, loves Red Rose Speedway, Tony. Oh, did you have any good reviews by any chance? Yeah, I do. Um, oddly enough, Rolling Stone gave this a good review after bashing almost all of McCartney's early solo stuff. So yeah. Rolling Stone kind of turned the corner, and one of my favorite reviews. And again, you know I can't pronounce last names. Uh, I think Stephen Thomas Earlwine from All Music or All All Music Guide. He reviews a ton of stuff. He's a rock critic. His summary of a lot of the McCartney records on AllMusic.com. I'm probably getting the URL wrong. I also said URL. Grandpa got <laughs> run over by a reindeer. <laughs> URL for remember that one? Grandma got run over <laughs> by a reindeer. <laughs> yeah, man. Walking home I loved from our house when they played that you. on the radio. It was like, all right, the radio's doing something <laughs> different. <laughs> yes, and then Elmo and Patsy were at the Capitol on January 6th. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> She'd been drinking too much eggnog. It's all music something or other, but the review of this is, it's a telling review, too, because it kind of notes that if a McCartney record that feels so unfinished 
is by Paul McCartney, shouldn't we salute it is basically his thesis that it's not like we love Brian Wilson for doing kind of the tossed off creative excursions. Why can't we treat Paul McCartney the same way? This record is still genius, even if it doesn't appeal to all of our sensibilities. It's a brilliant <laughs> record. It's pretty good, man. It's it's it is good. <laughs> I, <laughs> originally conceived as a double LP EMI thought the material was not up to snuff to elicit two long playing records clocking in at an hour and 15 minutes so so they yeah they got it down to one and Denny Lane obviously uh Denny Lane there is a barber showing photographs sorry uh Denny Lane and uh <laughs> help Denny Lane is in my ears and in my eyes <laughs> But so, yeah, it was originally this double LP that had more rockers on it, but it, it got slimmed down to this soft rock, according to Wikipedia, album. And yeah, so Denny Lane and new lead guitarist Henry McCullough were kind of bummed out, uh, A, that Denny's songs weren't on there, and also that the heavier material did not make it onto the, the single LP. However, uh, Denny Lane's I Would Only Smile apparently was also on a Bay City Rollers album because it's exactly what it sounds like. I like that one. Oh, yeah, that's right. Teaser. We are going to come up with our own single LP Red Rose Speedways based on the double LP. Yes, and I have cheated, and that's my tease, is I've got a <laughs> cheat code for your uh, parameters. Okay. All right. You jailbroke the uh, the assignment. Good for you. <laughs> hey, it's honor of St. Patty's. I pulled a thin Lizzy. Tonight there's going to be a <laughs> Tell me that Lizzy's Irish. They are, man. They are. Yes. Phil Lynott. Well, Phil Lynott and Thin Lizzy. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Face player. That's what they toured at as a... <laughs> right? <laughs> Phil Lynott comes first because he plays the bass. Because he plays the bass. Yeah. He's the bass player. You'll like this. Henry McCullough played uh, on the original cast recording of Jesus Christ Superstar. In fact, there he is now. Yeah, well, those those were originally like even the original Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat album was meant to be like a rock. Angela Weber wanted to be Pete Townsend. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was inspired by the rock opera thing. And then, oh. you know, but like Joseph and Evita and Jesus Christ Superstar started out as like rock concept, like rock opera on albums. I always thought he wanted to be Pink Floyd because he ripped off uh, Echoes. For, uh, oh, totally. <laughs> right. Oh, from metal. <laughs> from metal, yeah. 71, I think, yeah. Great. My, it's my favorite Pink Floyd track, I think.
so we got new guitarist, we got Denny Lane, we got Paul and Linda, and then of course uh, Denny Sywell on drums. He was playing on Ram. Glenn Johns was producing at first. I guess there was some tension with Paul, and uh, he left the project. Paul left the project. Glenn Johns took over, played bass. <laughs> Did it all. <laughs> yeah. Johns was thought that Wings wasn't really a band and that they weren't, you know, up to. <laughs> you think? Because <laughs> he's been so producing funny. Speaking of Towns and he's been producing The Who. He's been producing Zeppelin. And so I get that. Like, compared to The Who and Zeppelin, who are these, like, they're living and breathing as these bands. Like, that's their identity. I really do feel like Paul was in this, like, nice place where he liked to, like, hang out on his farm and hang out with Linda and travel and be like a human being, you know, which I totally get. To me, that's very healthy. But I also get where Glenn comes from with his, like, oh, he's, like, reading the paper while the band, while Wings is smoking pot and going on some, like, endless jams. And he just wasn't into it, I guess. Some of that, you know, you talk about Paul's domesticity and and ha general happiness. Remember, he's also still Paul and he's fueled by the desire to create yes. without anybody to check him. Mm. So there's also anxiety to what Paul McCartney's doing at this time and constantly churning out material. I think it was Henry McCullough who said they were always, when they were touring, they were rehearsing and they were writing and they were playing. So mm. I think, you know, that, that lead up 72 into 73, I think they were just constantly together. Again, like Beatles and Hamburg a little bit. The, what's so funny is the difference is they're playing small colleges for nothing. And the other guys are like, hey, man, the uh, the Joe Cocker and the Grease Band album didn't sell as many copies as Rubber Soul. Yeah. Could you maybe pay us a little more, guys? Oh, and no. But a few of us are we're not going to Africa as well. So bye bye. Right. It's hard to subsist on these uh, ice cube sandwiches from <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> left over from the, the university cafeteria. So Paul ended up being the producer, <laughs> you know, so that's how that all went down. Yeah, actually, yeah. On April 17th, 1972, Glenn Johns uh, told the press that he and Paul had a disagreement and he was leaving the project and, quote, now we have respect for each other. Yeah. Yeah, man. All right. Let's should we talk about the artwork and packaging real quick before we get into like uh, track by track? Yeah. Question, TJ. Is this the worst McCartney album cover? Um, no. Driving no. rain with, with the blurry oh. photographs and the like I like that one. That one's all right. That one's real. That's just like a picture taken on his flip phone or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the back is the little tiny photos of <laughs> the tiny blurry photos. Um, is this? Uh, you know, I don't like new. I'm gonna I'm gonna take okay. this over new with the neon lights. Just yeah, yeah. All right, all right. I'll give you that. You know what, man? I've always had a problem with this album cover. I think that is why one of the, I think honestly that's played an influence into my opinion of this record overall. I think if they had just taken a different picture, I think his face looks really muggy. So it's Paul. He's next to this motorcycle. He's making like a Mr. Bean face, you know, with a rose like stuffed in his mouth. Like, oh, oh. like he's doing like Howie Mandel meets Jay Leno. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> and he's got that mullet. I know Gen Z are all about the mullet or whatever. But man, 
as an Xer, mullets just take, I had one, like I was, I had one, you know, it was bad news, you know, did you have a mullet TJ <laughs> or did no, your faith not allow that? <laughs> no, it was less a faith thing and more. I didn't want to get beat up. <laughs> Short guys with mullets in the city. And so mullet was a phrase. I think the Beastie Boys coined it. This is like in 92. So in the 80s, it wasn't called a mullet. Uh, people called it hockey hair or whatever, like, you know, business up front party in the back or whatever they called it back then. Yeah. But, you know, this is also around the time of 85 Bears and Jim McMahon and stuff like that. I'm the punky QB known as McMahon. When I hit the turf, I've got no plan. So I had like spiked hair and the stupid like mullet in the back. Anyway, it reminds me of that time, a very awkward time in my life. So maybe I'm projecting my bullshit onto this album cover. <laughs> Would you be happier if Paul had a headband that said Roselle? <laughs> or like Jimmy Nickel or something like that. Some sort of Jimmy McMahon. The Beatle version of shouting out the commissioner. Yeah, I guess it'd be like EMI, whoever owned like EMI or whatever. Sir Joseph Lockwood had a headband. <laughs> yeah, Sir Joseph. Jim McMahon is wearing a headband this afternoon that says Roselle. It's Roselle written on a white headband. So Linda took the photo. I mean, I don't have a problem with the the focus or anything like that. But I mean, I don't know. I don't know what this album cover is. They brought the motorcycle all the way from America for the photo shoot. And and trivia, TJ. Untitled Beatles Podcast Exclusive. Untitled Beatles Podcast Exclusive. Exclusive. It was ridden across the Atlantic Ocean by Evil Knievel. Excuse me, Evil Nevil. A lot of people think it's Knievel. It's, he he wants it's Evil Nevil. Silent K. <laughs> Silent K. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what do you think of this album cover? I know I just took a big dump on it, but what do you think of it? Uh, my original version <laughs> that I got at maybe secondhand tunes back in the day. Good for you. On Paul's head says B. It says BJ. <laughs> <laughs> and the and the hype stickers stuck to it. So <laughs> touch this album with gloves. This album's the original COVID. <laughs> oh, I think we found where COVID started. Finally. <laughs> started from your used copy of Red Rose Speedway. Yeah, and the booklet is kind of cool too. The fact that it comes with a with the booklet. I think what EMI did to kind of placate Paul when this was made a double album to a single album was keeping the gatefold and adding the booklet and having yeah. the Braille. This was not a cheap album to produce. And, you know, I, I think I mentioned my Columbia pressing of this, which is always so funny because it looks like a Springsteen or a Billy Joel record. My Columbia <laughs> pressing was got a really nice, smooth gatefold cover. Um it has the booklet. It's not attached to the gatefold. The booklet's like an insert, oh, okay. but there's no Braille on this Columbia pressing. Uh, the one f I think this was the last time this was pressed on vinyl because when Capitol got the rights back, they never reissued the McCartney albums again until the 2018 stuff. So I think to add the 12 page booklet, which is cool, it's very colorful. There's I'm glad Tipper Gore didn't see the second to last page. <laughs> Right. Right. Yeah. It was a pop artist, a Scottish pop artist of Italian descent. He's knighted Sir Eduardo Palozzi. I think that's how you say it. 
Paolo, not Pelosi. And, and, his, <laughs> and his partner Edelson. At Salosi Edelson Chevrolet in Elmhurst. On York, York and Roosevelt, Roosevelt Roads, Roads, where you always save more, more money. money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, you mentioned the Braille message. That was a message to Stevie Wonder. It says, we love you, baby. Apparently, Wings had also been hanging out with Telly Savalas. When you're needing it bad, cause a rough time's too bad, I'm gonna look at you and I'm gonna say, who loves you, baby? Yeah, and Tony, on my copy after the message to Stevie, because this is an original Apple one, there's a note for the Wings Fun Club. For all information, <laughs> send a stamped addressed envelope to London W1 4 Up UP if you're in northern Michigan, England. Uh, not confusing at all for you Wings fans. Uh, on the Columbia copy that's, of course, been scrubbed, I'm guessing that by the early 80s, I'm not sure when this reissue was pressed. I'd guess the early 80s. The Wings Fun Club had disappeared. And George Harrison. <laughs> no more fun. <laughs> no more, no fun. more fun. What do you get in the fun club? You get some swizzle sticks and some <laughs> some happy snappers. and what else? <laughs> some, some lickamades. Can't eat that anymore. <laughs> Can't. Uh, look, in my day, lickamade. <laughs> lickamade. Wasn't that the Ali, uh, Ali Sheedy vehicle? Lickamade. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And George Harrison has a bit about this on the Living in the Material World. He satirizes this with a note. I'm not looking at the record, but something about for the Jim Keltner fan yes. club. Yes. And that's that's a parody of this. I love George trolling Paul. <laughs> so 70s <funny>. trolls. <laughs> Paul. I mean, he has all you know, he has all those gnomes. He's got a troll, so <laughs> um any other different released versions you want to hit here? No, I mean, uh, what I remember my first experience with this album, I bought this on CD. This is the original, I think it's spring of 88. I would have bought it that summer. Wow. And this is the original CD. And it came with three bonus. I mean, this is the way CDs were treated at the time. I was going to say, where's the 12-page booklet? So you open yeah. it up and it's just, it's <laughs> two pages one of which is all white, no words. <laughs> the other one is just print of what? The song titles? And that's it? It's worse. It's quick notes. This compact disc contains three extra tracks not included on the record and cassette versions of Red Rose Speedway. Then it gives information about I Lie Around, Country Dreamer, and The Mess are all bonus tracks on this. So what was cool about this in 88, in addition to the record, you got I Lie Around, Country Dreamer, and The Mess all remastered for the first time. Then they issued this again on CD in 93, but only in the UK ah. as part of what they call the Paul McCartney collection. I've showed these before. This is, yeah. they remastered just about everything um, up through all the best. I'm pretty sure. And the latter stuff wasn't remastered because it was kind of concurrent, but where then you get the booklet, they kind of tried to correct the issues of the earlier eighties pressings and you, okay. get, you get the okay. full booklet in here, but the remastering isn't great, and mm. it's different bonus tracks. The bonus tracks here are, you get Sea Moon, yes, you get High, High, you. High, The Mess, and I Lie Around are all on this. So, so Country, Country Dreamer's Dreamer. been kicked off, and I think moved a band on the run. Ah, ah, that makes kind of sense, I guess, yeah. But yeah, and then this didn't get a proper remaster from 1993 until 2018 right. when when it became part of the McCartney collection. And as I say about all the McCartney archive stuff, 
the 2018 remaster, whether you have the box, which I don't, or you stream it, I've got I've got it on vinyl. It's the best way to hear the record. It sounds lovely. It's not remixed, but in the remastering, the 88 remaster was a little too primitive. The 93 was too CD, mm-hmm. uh, Loud mm-hmm. Wars harsh. They finally created, like they did with Ram and McCartney and Wildlife, a very warm Red Rose Speedway that doesn't dull it. It sharpens it. That's great. Yeah, yeah, man. Actually, I love the production on this record. So, yeah, should we go track by track? Uh, I got to go. Oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe. 